0: Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringan with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 Chai
1: FM. Take a seat and relax. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton, live here on this Tuesday, the 11th of Nissan, the 12th of April. Hope that you are well and healthy. Sending prayers to all those in need, especially to our sisters and brothers in Israel, our sisters and brothers in Ukraine, and wherever they might be in challenge. Wherever they are, whatever challenges they have, may they be redeemed. From darkness to light, from servitude to redemption is mankarev immediately now and in a good very quickly especially as we get closer to Pesach the holiday of redemption the holiday of freedom may we all achieve this freedom in our lives soon today the Fabringen talks for itself it's a privilege to be able to have the Fabringen show today you know sometimes Our show is on Tuesday every week, so sometimes it hits a unique, special milestone. And today it is. Today, the Tuesday show is on the 11th of Nisan, which around the world is being commemorated as the 120th birthday of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. 120 signifying, you know, the complete lifetime, and a time that's around the world, in the Jewish world and beyond, thoughts are being dedicated to the Rebbe, so much so that hundreds of cities and even countries around the world have dedicated today to what's called Education Day, a day focused on educating on the values that the Rebbe taught. The United States does it as a government, multiple states do it, multiple cities do it, Um, multiple countries um, have done it as well all around the world. In the Rebbe's lifetime, it was a way that, you know, people would show gratitude toward what the Rebbe did. They would bring him declarations of various um, cities, countries, states, etc., that dedicated a day of education, which was the Rebbe's passion, in in his honor. And it's the perfect time to to talk about him and to talk about his ideas, because here's the big secret that. You know, often when people ask me, they say, Rabbi, what's up with you Chabadniks and, uh, you know, Lubavitchers? Why don't you just uh, get a new Rebbe, they'll say, or, um, you know, he, he's passed away such a long time ago. Why don't you guys move on? And there are multiple answers for that question. and I don't, But for me, the answer that resonates the deeply, most deeply is that if you really appreciate the Rebbe's teachings and what the Rebbe stands for, you realize that you don't need another one. There's no one, not that he's irreplaceable, but that he's more than enough, even though, um, you know, not within the flesh for decades already, close to three decades. His teachings and his guidance and his vision continue to inspire, you know, I was born at a time when the Rebbe was still alive, Um, But my younger siblings, half of my siblings were not. And I look at them and their commitment to his values, even though they never saw him, is incredible. And there's many reasons for it. But at a very basic level, I think that his worldview is one of the most coherent, thorough, true, truest worldviews there is. Um, with hundreds of, of books, with thousands of hours of audio and video, with th- thousands of letters that he wrote in his lifetime, he managed to articulate, in the most incredible way, a a worldview. You know, there are many teachers, many teachers out there, teachers who are you know great at a certain subject, who can teach you how to learn, teach you how to think. There's many people, you know, within the Jewish world and beyond that are incredible communicators. But the Rebbe, what, you know, communicating what is really the question. For the Rebbe, it wasn't necessarily the fact that he was a great communicator, which he was, but it was the worldview that he was communicating. There's a lot of people who could communicate nonsense uh, or or communicate even things that are true, but are just a a narrow spectrum of the, the wider truth. With the Rebbe, when you go into his teachings, you're exposed to a fully comprehensive worldview from beginning to end, from from all aspects within Judaism and beyond. You know, the Rebbe would often um, comment about world events, about science, um, and had a worldview that encompassed everything. And it boiled down to one big idea that... The Rebbe taught, and he, he learned it from his predecessors. And it's an idea which is basic to Judaism, but it got an incredible focus in his worldview, and that is that everything is godliness and God is everything. In other words, that the world is nothing other than godliness. And therefore, there is a lesson to be learned in everything in this world. And every single being in this world, all human beings, and every particle of, 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 of life is pure godliness and therefore there is so much to learn and so much to discover and so much to um, to to uncover the light within every single thing out there in this world. And that world view, the moment you see everything as godliness, as everything, literally everything, then there's nothing outside the parameters, there's nothing outside the spectrum, there's Every person has to be reached, and every mitzvah has to be done, and every part of this world has to be elevated, because nothing is outside the reality of godliness. So, when you have a hashkafa, a worldview that's literally as big as the universe itself and beyond, you you get a a, a way of life that is so wholesome, coherent, and true. And it's really this worldview and, more importantly, how it affects each and every one of us. In other words, how to personalize it that I want to explore in this for bringing together. But what I chose today um, for the music segments is various songs that the Rebbe actually taught. Some of them, um, you know, he learned as a child, various traditions, um, but that he really brought to the Jewish world and taught them. And ever since then, they've been known as his songs. So here is, over the next 40 minutes, we'll just introduce a few of those songs. Some might be more familiar than others. So here we go. Here's one of the most famous ones, probably the most famous, and it is Tzama. My heart yearns for you, Hashem. Interesting that Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, um, he loved the song. And on his epitaph, on his stone, it says those words, Tzama Lecha Nafshi. I crave for you, my soul. Those words really, um, for Rabbi Sachs, it was his life. For the Rebbe, it was also most definitely his life. This deep yearning for godliness, as this song so beautifully brings out, sung by two of the great singers in the Jewish world, very different voices, Shul Rand and Mati Steinmetz on 101.9, Chai
2: Kama lecha na afshi, kama lecha besari.
0: It's <speaking in Spanish> a di the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM
1: Samalecha Nafshi My heart cleaves to God is what King David writes in Telim, and brought out in this beautiful melody as mentioned one of the melodies that were very close to the heart of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and would sing often and he would actually sing it he would lead it and then the, the crowd around him would Then, like, go through one stanza, he would sing one stanza, they would sing the next one, or they would repeat his stanza. It was a a full-on experience. As I was mentioning earlier, at the heart of his worldview is this idea that everything is godliness in this world, and it's our job to reveal it. And, as mentioned, we're going to try to personalize it, because it's very nice to talk about theory, theoretical, but one of the, it's probably the words that the Rebbe said more than any other words, were action is what counts the most. Although he was a great teacher of ideas, the point of teaching has to lead to action. And the action, in other words, what changes in a person when they come to appreciate that everything is godliness and godliness is everything, is first and foremost how they see themselves. How one sees oneself in today's day and age more than ever is such a huge factor because we live in a time of self-awareness. And some people might say too much self-awareness to the point of narcissism. But we definitely live in a time that people are more self-aware. They have more time on their hands as much as they scream they're busy. They have more time to reflect, to read. And they're being exposed to a world that teaches us to focus on oneself you know, the famous billboard that says you deserve a better mattress and you deserve happiness in your life and you deserve. But the point is, there's a lot of focus on us and ourselves. So how we see ourselves in this world is probably the biggest or one of the biggest factors in our, in in how we're going to live this life and whether we're going to be selfish or whether we're going to be selfless whether we're going to be bigger than our ego or we're going to let our ego manipulate us, whether we're going to indulge in the pettiness of jealousy and resentment of other people's success, or are we going to be able to grow and be bigger than that? So the moment I don't see myself as just merely a mortal, the moment I don't see myself as merely an evolved ape, the moment I realize that I was created By God, but not just created by God, but that and that I'm independent of it. But I am godliness. I'm not God, I'm godliness. In other words, the ray of his light is within me. And that I literally have a touch of godliness. I have a touch of godliness within me. I am pure and beautiful. Yes, there's parts of me that maybe cover over that. There are parts of me or actions that I do that don't seem to reflect that inner core, don't seem to reflect that true part of me, which is beautiful and serene and pristine. Yes. But that does not negate the fact. And the fact is that what's inside is beautiful and perfect, and it's our job to uncover it. And it's our job to help others uncover it. In other words, we're not here to change people. We're not here to... As Rebbe would say, we're not here to do outreach as if anybody's outside. Nobody's out. Everyone's in. Everyone's pure godliness. Everyone's pure goodness. And it's all our job is to reveal. Or to hand people a match that they could light themselves, whatever analogy you use. But the idea is when you buy into this idea that God is everything and everything is God, that means I am godliness and you are godliness. And therefore, I can see you from a place of love. I can see you from a place of non-judgment. I can see you from a place where I see you as pure holiness. And that is a huge, huge Shift. Now, some of us might say, okay, well, it's a big shift. You know, we take that for granted. But how many of us can really say that we see one another the way God sees us or even close to that? Do we see the godliness with another person? Because if we did, then there's no room for discord. There's no room for division. There's no room for hatred. There's no room for resentment. We're all one. We're all literally one. We're not a bunch of separate entities, even from a perspective of physics, especially in quantum physics, the universe is pure unity. It's pure singularity. It's everything is just pure oneness. And when we could see that the oneness is not, you know, some mere, some atom or neuron or string theory, but this oneness is God that that's the common denominator in everything. Then we look at ourselves differently, we look at each other differently, we look at our children differently, we look at the person that gets on our nerves differently. We look at everything from an eye. The the eye that sees the truth, the eye that's not getting fooled. You know, just like the physicist can look at a microscope and see what for us, the naked eye, we cannot see. For us, you know, I'm sitting in front of a table. For me, this table feels very much solid. Yeah, it's a solid no. And then the physicist comes and shows me, not in theory, but in reality, that it's 99.999% hollow. And that matter is an illusion. So too, when we understand this perspective, this perspective that says, there's nothing other than God. And that our job is to be ambassadors of that our job is to reveal that our job is to expose the godliness within this world to literally show how this world is god not to make this world godly the world is already godly ligalot to reveal that's why the the idea of redemption the idea of the messianic promise the word in hebrew is ge'ula, ge'ula, literally comes from the word gilui gilui reveal it's to reveal Something that was already there, right? When you reveal, you're not creating something new. You're just exposing to the light something that was always there. That's what redemption will be. That's the messianic promise. People have this, you know, this fantasy of what it will be. Fundamentally, what, yes, there will be miracles and things will transform in nature, but it will all boil down to one core thing, and that is the world will no longer be hidden from the true trueness of its reality. Godliness will be revealed, and once it's revealed, the world will no longer have this virus, have this sickness. And I'm not talking necessarily about COVID. I'm talking about the virus of reality, evil, darkness, challenges, pain, war, suffering, struggle. Those are all part of a virus which is not natural. That only happens in a world where godliness is not revealed. The moment godliness is revealed, then the world becomes perfect because God's perfect. And that's the messianic promise. The prophet says, God will be revealed and we will all see godliness. And that was the Rebbe's mission statement. His mission statement was one thing and one thing only. And he said at the moment he took on the leadership of the Chabad movement, after his father-in-law passed away, he said, we're here to reveal godliness in this world. We're here to get the world to scream out godliness not only should we be calling out godliness but the world itself will scream out godliness in other words show the world what it is show the other person what they are and that was really at the mandate of sending people all over the world to teach these ideas you know often people you know I've heard people say like, is he trying to turn everybody into Chabad not at all He's trying to simply help every person discover their innate godliness and to discover their beauty and their unique relationship, whatever tradition they come from, to, with tremendous respect because our individuality is not a threat to one another. It's when I realize that God wants a relationship with me that I find my unique way to serve God, and my way to serve God will be different than you. Yes, we'll do things similarly. Maybe you'll put on tefillin, and I'll put on tefillin. You'll keep Shabbat, and I'll keep Shabbat. You'll eat kosher, I'll eat kosher. But how we do it, and and, and the various customs we bring to, will be different, and that's beautiful. It was never an homogenic worldview, a, a worldview that says everyone has to be the same. On the contrary, it was a worldview that when people realize that we are all part of godliness, and that God sent us, each and every one of us, as an individual to bring and reveal a part of godliness in this world that only we can reveal, then it's at that moment that we find our unique portal of entry to God, and we find our unique expression based on our background, based on our personality, based on our gender, based on our interests based on our talents we find our unique expression it was so not a cult-like idea The, the idea of a cult is that the person loses their personality heaven forbid for the rebbe that was antithesis to everything he stands for to help every person be themselves to help every person have the unique relationship with god that they have the rebbe saw himself simply as a facilitator to help people Find their own true calling, their own true passion. You know, as a rabbi in a non-chabad shul, often I get asked, okay, so what's the agenda? Is the agenda to turn the shul in chabad? And no matter how many times I say it, I still feel like some people don't really believe it. Never to turn the shul into chabad, not to change the nusach, the way we daven, No, not at all, that's not the goal, the goal is simply to bring this idea of each person finding their own unique connection to Hashem, and respecting the tradition, that was something the Rebbe would always say, respect the place you go to, work within those customs, don't break them, don't negate them, don't challenge them, because God wants a unique relationship in multiple ways. Each community and each individual and each locality has its unique thing. There's something about South Africa that other countries don't have. And there's something about each community and each family and each individual that's unique. And celebrate that. One of my favorite stories of the Rebbe is uh, when he sends out this one of his first emissaries to England. And the fellow turns to the Rebbe and says, okay, so when I get to England, what will I do? Well, you know, what's the first order of business? The Rebbe says, you'll come to England and you'll figure it out there. In other words, I'm not in England. You're going to be in England. You'll go there. You'll see the whatever lack there is or whatever thing needs more enforcement. And then you'll find it there. I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do. You know the basic outline. You know the agenda to bring godliness there. Now go figure it out there. That's not just an anecdote. That's a worldview that says... We're not going to do outreach. We're not coming to change anybody. We're simply agents to help ourselves and the people around us to find their inner light. Not to make other people us. Not to get followers, as Rabbi Sachs would always say about the Rebbe, but to create leaders. First of all, leaders of themselves, people who lead themselves. And obviously then teach other people to lead themselves creating more leaders and more leaders this incredible chain reaction I want to now play another song because it's a unique for bringing to Rebbe's birthday and I mentioned earlier we're going to share various songs of the Rebbe so this is a song Anims Mirot. it's from the the famous prayer that many shall say on Shabbos morning Anim Zmirot B'Shirim HaRog Ki Elecha Nafshi TaRog also, a, a, a song of yearning to Hashem, similar to the previous song, sung again by Shuli Rand, and this time with Avram Fried. and Nims Mirot on 101.9 Chai FM.
0: This is the Fabringan
1: with Rabbi Levi Avzon on 101.9 High FM. One, one 1.9 CHI FM, Rabbi Levi Yartzen, and we are for breaking today in honor of the 120th birthday of LeBaruch Rebbe and trying to personalize one of his big ideas, and that is to see godliness in everything and everyone starting with and focusing on ourselves. Because if I see myself as godliness, and I don't see myself just as the sum total of my bad decisions and my traumas and my uh, mistakes and my issues and my dysfunction and my family history... If I don't see myself merely as that, but I see myself as infinite, literally infinite light, then that changes everything. I suddenly don't get locked in. I'm not saying that our hurts aren't real and and our background isn't real and the dysfunction isn't real. But the way to solve it, the way to heal from it is not by getting strength from the outside, but by digging deep. and Maybe we need someone's help to help us discover within ourselves that light. Because the worst thing a person could do to another is when they they convince the other that they have no light. That's what often when we, you know, we hurt another person, when we offend them, when we bully them, how much more so when there's abuse, the victim can walk away feeling that they're not light, that they're darkness, that they're tarnished, that they're broken, that they're less than. Right? What does bullying try to do? Try to tell the person they're a piece of trash, right? They're not up to par, they're not up to the standard of the, whatever society convinces themselves is the standard. And then they start seeing themselves as less. When you see yourself as less, then you don't see yourself as infinite. And that's why the greatest gift you can help give another person is to help them see themselves in a the true way. And that's why it's so important to communicate to each other from a place of love. And interesting that the Rebbe was very passionate about words. I mean, obviously he was a teacher, but in, in a unique way. For example, in Hebrew, hospitals used to be called houses of the sick, Bet Cholim. And the Rebbe couldn't stand that. Like, what, what do you mean a house of the sick? That's not what it is. First of all, why are you labeling people as sick? Second of all, it's a house of healing. Bet refua. Or a cemetery, don't just call it a place of betakvarot, a place of, Beit HaKvarot, a place of um, stones and burials. Betachayim, it's a place of life, eternal life. It's where the the body goes to rest, but the soul then ascends and lives eternally. Or whether it was IDF soldiers who were hurt in battle. And were often referred to as Nifka Eitzal, the people, the victims, the the people who were tarnished or injured in the army. And the Rabbi said no, we're gonna call them Mitsuya neitzal, the the Mitsuyanim, the, the the super successful, the heroes of the IDF. And it wasn't just, you know, switching words, it was switching a narrative. Because again, the words we tell one another and how we, how we define ourselves and how we define others says so much, and therefore these things meant a lot to the Rebbe. How are you going to refer to it? Even the idea of, the Rebbe rarely, if ever, used bad, the word bad or evil, he would say hepe chatov, the opposite of good, the opposite of beautiful, the opposite of, of goodness, etc. Why? Because we don't live in that world, and we don't want to label it, and we don't want to get ourselves into that dirt and into that nonsense to transcend it. And that was just one, maybe simple, manifestation of a worldview that says everything is godliness, including our speech. This is 101.9, Chai FM. This is The Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avton, on 101.9 high fm finishing off the show we'll finish it off with a song that has a story and really it's a story of a theme we've been exploring for the last hour it's a story about a i think from chechnya or from one of those areas in the south of russia who it's a bit of uh, eerie in the time that we're living in now with what's going on in russia There's a story about a rebel against the Russian government. His name was Shamil. And he would cause a lot of havoc. You know, he wanted to have an independent nation. And in good old Russian style, they didn't allow independence. And he would live on top of a mountain, him and his group, and they would cause absolute terror to the soldiers down below. And one time, the soldiers, again in good old Russian style, um... They say, Come down, we're going to make peace, comes down, and they arrest him and put him in prison, and he was a songwriter, and he made a song that describes, at the beginning it describes his days of glory, then its pain of today, and the hope for a better future tomorrow. And the song made its rounds and eventually it made it to the Hasidic teachers, the Hasidic masters. And they found something in this melody that although maybe it was written by a rebel, the melody really expressed a similar story of the soul. Each one of us, when our soul was up in heaven, before we were born, was glorious and we felt that glory. Then we come to this world and we, the, the glory is hidden and we feel dark and we feel distant. And then we remember that in these challenges, we achieve the true glory. And that gives us hope and optimism. And this song was taught to by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, And the song that was sung very often at his Fabringens. It's Shamil. And this is 101.9 Chaifem. Chag Sameach. Have a great Chag. And wishing you only the best. Please, God, we'll be back after Pesach. God bless.